You're listening to a CNA podcast. Hello, listeners, and welcome. My name is Dawn, and my regular job sees me on TV doing the nightly news. But today, I'm here for a special episode of Work It. My guest, Jane Fraser, is a woman on a mission in the banking world. They call her the First Lady of Wall Street because she literally is the first female CEO of one of America's largest banks. And since she took the reins at City, she's been steering it through a massive overhaul to streamline the business, remove layers of management, and cut costs. She's made so many cuts at City, Wall Street has come up with a new nickname for her. Fraser the Razor. That's a nod to her no-nonsense and reputation for toughness as she leads City through its restructure. I got the chance to catch up with her for an exclusive one-on-one with CNA, where she talked to me about her views on leadership, the opportunities of relentless change, the power of new technologies, and the value of brutal honesty at work. We've clipped some relevant parts out relating to work and career. Here's that conversation. Jane, you've taken tough steps, hard, tough decisions at City in order to turn things around, in order to bring the bank to a different level, to simplify the organization, that's what you've said. It's not such a simple fix though, when you're trying to make big changes. Talk to me about what's at the heart of the changes at City, and what needs to happen, as you've said, once and for all. So we're on a very deliberate path um, to transform the bank, to unlock the value of the bank. And that does take some tough decisions. It it requires quite bold actions. And we've accomplished a, a huge amount. Where we are now is putting the structure to match the strategy that we have in place and make some rapid advances on that front. And and when I look at the bank, we set a vision for City a couple of years ago, which is to be the preeminent banking partner for clients, be they institutions or individuals who have cross-border needs, need to tap into global markets. And our bank has got an extraordinary history in all around the world, particularly here in Asia, 121 years and six different markets here. But it was time to really rethink about the strategy, relook at what's the structure that fits with the bank that we are today and not the bank that we were, and unleash that energy and make sure we're positioned for all the growth that will happen, particularly in this part of the world. And it's partly because banking is changing so rapidly now, isn't it? You know, you've striven for a long time as well to break the silo mentality, the sort of minding my patch behavior Mm -hmm. that is so wrapped up in in banking as well as in other sectors as well. Sometimes a silo can be a good thing. It's not often you might want to eradicate it. Is that something that you've also wanted to do? How does this new model of how City is going to go forward, how does it work with that? So a lot of the model that we're putting in place is frankly to free up time for our people to focus on clients and to focus on execution as opposed to some of the more bureaucratic uh, elements that can creep into any organization. So it's that sort of shake the place up, flatten down the management layers and the structure that we have 
um, make decision-making easier and faster. And that way we can get people to focus on their clients. And by flattening and simplifying the organization, it'll just make it easier. Our clients want it and they expect it from us. And uh, we're also therefore focused on the culture changes that need to take place so that we can uh, make the place work horizontally, not just vertically. So often when you think of banks, you think of transactions, but with, mm. with a bank like Citigroup, and you just mentioned it there, the relationships that you have, mm. it's about trusted relationships, mm. it's about people. As CEO, you're in a tough position yourself. You've got to empower people, mm but you've also got to take personal responsibility. You want to be able to experiment, but you don't want things to go wrong either. Tell me something about what that means when it comes to leadership accountability, because you've got that. You want to be able to see your team demonstrated as well, and this new team particularly. How do you sort of get that message across that leadership accountability also needs to transform? Well, we've, we set a series of leadership principles for the firm and they guide because exactly as you say, you can have those transactions as relationships, you can set performance measurement, everyone has scorecards, you can set the targets and goals for it, but you've also got to capture the hearts and minds. And so we talk about principles such as we succeed together, we take ownership, we deliver with pride. And those are our three leadership principles. And I think that combination of the hard, easy to measure dimensions that you hold someone accountable for, but at the same time you capture the hearts and minds and that the, the cultural dimensions at the same time. And that's a magic combination because that's when you see the best of people coming through. They're clear about what they're meant to do. They're motivated and excited by it. They believe it. And we also check that they're doing it. Jane, you have thousands of multinational companies who choose to bank with you. And I, and I don't say that lightly. They choose to do this. They could choose to go anywhere. And especially in this changing environment and with so much competition, your clients know you're going through this transformation. What have you heard from them about what's happening at Citigroup? I think our clients want City to succeed. Um, we're an incredibly important bank for them. We move $4 trillion, which is the GDP of Germany, every single day for 5,000 multinationals. Much of that flow and activity is, is here in Asia. And we're seeing the global lanes changing globally tremendously, be it food, energy, financial flows, supply chains are changing. Our bank operates on the ground in 96 countries. We operate in 160 in total around the world. So our presence is quite unique. And so the, from the client's perspective, they're excited to see us shaking things up a little. They want to see City on the front foot. Um, they really appreciate our history, our local understanding and depth. They love all of our people and they want to make sure that we're delivering and helping them succeed. And so I get a lot of positive support from our clients for the changes we're making. We have seen remarkable resilience in the global economy post-pandemic. Uh, we still might have, we might avoid a recession. We don't know that we might be in for a soft landing, but there are still plenty of worrying headwinds. We've got geopolitical tensions. We've got a slowing Chinese economy. And, and we've right now got two very hot wars that are ongoing. Sitting at the top of a company with 
an international reach like this. Jane, where do you see growth headed globally as we head into all of this uncertainty? So I think in the, it's certainly softening around the world. It's quite a desynchronized picture, so it's different in different parts of the world. And as you say, more resiliency than any of us expected. In the US, incredibly resilient. We do think there's a possibility of a recession next year, but it's, it's a manageable one. Both the consumers and the corporates have been in pretty good health as they head into it. Europe is a tougher picture. It's more negative there. They've got more longer-term structural challenges they're facing in the labor market and energy prices. And so I think there they'll face some more competitiveness challenges. And Asia is just the bright spot of the world. There are so many different geographies where the changing dynamics are playing into the longer-term flavor and benefit here, be it what we see in Indonesia and in Thailand and Vietnam, as companies are looking at diversifying more of their supply chains and operations beyond China. China is still the new, is going to be the next China. Um, it's facing challenges at the moment, but the advances that they've made technologically are quite extraordinary in industry after industry. Here in Singapore, a lot of the different new lanes are coming through here. Um, the digital innovation wealth is an incredible unstoppable trend and our entrepreneurial clients in this part of the world blow my mind every time I see them. Um, they're so innovative, they're so creative and um, that's going to be enormous wealth creation but also economic growth creation in the medium to long term. So I think you can tell I'm an optimist particularly in this part of the world and we are very assertively positioned in the bank here that's why we brought our Citigroup board meeting was here in Singapore this week, um, because we, we want to make sure that we're positioned to really help uh, accelerate for our clients where they're headed and the opportunities and manage the risks. I don't want to downplay them, but we'll help them manage them so that they can take full advantage of the opportunities ahead. Jane, I want to remind you of something you said about leadership in an interview that you did with the Harvard Business School Club of New York. This was in 2016. In answer to the question, where does courage come in when you're trying to affect change? You might remember you said that it takes brutal honesty and authenticity. So brutal honesty, let's talk about that because it often gets a tough rap. People don't like to necessarily hear it. But it does cut down on some of the dilly-dallying, perhaps, when you get to it. As leader of city, though, you want to impart that brutal honesty. Are you prepared for the brutal feedback as well? Oh, absolutely. One of the pieces of advice I was given when I became CEO is have big ears and thick skin. And that goes directly to answer your question. You learn how to exercise those muscles. I strongly believe in excellence and empathy. And empathy to me is the big ears. It's listening, it's putting yourself in somebody else's shoes. And if I was in their shoes, how would I want to hear bad news or good news or other pieces? And I think that becomes a competitive edge. But as a leader, I have to be decisive. I have to be bold. We have clarity of vision. Um, we're looking at a firm with tremendous potential. Um, so it's also, it's the passion and energy and that belief that comes from it. But you have to be completely honest about and dispassionate. Where are we? What's working? What's not working? If you've made a bad decision on something, 
there's another decision and own it. We are constantly challenged at work and also at home as well, personally and professionally. When you look at your career, what has stretched you? What's stretched your leadership principles? I've been in a number of different roles in businesses I really knew very little about. And so you get given the job of boss, but you have to earn the right to lead the business in the eyes of the people in it. And so I learned a number of different things early on in that sense. The first is make sure that your team is better than you are. Do not be afraid to hire and bring in folk who know more than you are, who are better than you are at the day job, and then help them succeed. And uh, the, you know there are certain traits like that that you, you learn the courage around. And those, those pieces are important. At City Group, you've probably got lots of baby boomers who maybe, maybe they, they may continue to, to stay. They may be on, on their way out in terms of retirement and so on. You've also got lots of Gen Zs or Gen Zs. They are the future of banking. They are doing things differently. We keep getting told this. How are you sort of incorporating your view of this younger generation and, and what they will mean as Citigroup goes forward? It's the joy of being a parent. I have a 21 and 23 year old who make sure I'm very grounded, um, that they've got plenty of commentary and it helps you understand a little bit more through their friends and others. Uh, you're very connected in to, and with our own people as well as to you know, what, what matters to them. So listening carefully, understanding it, learning when to get out of the way. And I do think leadership has changed. Leadership used to be about telling people what to do and then it, and making sure they did it. Whereas now in a world where data is everywhere, you're usually not the best person to take the decision. It's deeper in the organization where they've got far more of the data and the information. So as a leader, you set context now. Um, you set the context for the organization, from the culture, from the tone, from the values, and then the broader strategy. And then you get out the way and make sure that uh, that, that next generation are, uh, you know, that, that they're able to grow, learn, lead, engage with the clients and the customers and, uh, you know, make sure that you're there to help support them do it and make sure they're doing it the right way. Does it worry you at all with the amount of talk that we've had with artificial intelligence and how it's going to be used and leveraged on so much more. Does it concern you how that's going to go when part of banking is so much and leading so much about empathy as well? Look, the piece I get very excited with AI is I think it's going to enrich people's jobs. So I don't see it as being taking things away, but rather that people are going to be able to do more and do more interesting things because some of the more rote or other, other elements are going to be able to be done for them. And I give the example when we think of um, the tellers in the branches, when the ATM machine came in, everyone went, oh, you know, that's it. We no longer need people. Absolutely we do. But now people come in and they want to have a conversation for advice. They want to have a conversation uh, about sales rather than just administration, as it were. We're going to see that time a thousandfold uh, with AI capabilities that it's going to make people's jobs much more interesting and I think it will enrich it. It will require training. It's going to require us to learn how to do things differently, but I think we're up for that. 
Jane Fraser, thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed this chat with Citigroup CEO Jane Fraser. Don't forget, we're on all the major podcast platforms and you can leave your comments or questions. We're always happy to hear from you. Until Cuspina and Adrian are back next week, I'm Dawn Tan. You've been listening to Work It. <laughs>